Well, good morning. How about you? You ever wish you could turn back time? Take back something you said or something you did? I wish it worked like that. You know, I wish I could turn back time, respond better to someone who hurt me, or make better choices or better decisions. But you know, like me, we've, we've all lived with the guilt and regret of damaging or destroying a relational bridge between us and someone we care about. And I just can't stand that feeling. Sometimes it just eats at you after it happens. And the Bible has so much to say about relational conflict and building bridges because God cares so much about our relationships, not just with him, but with each other. God is all about relationships. And Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. And God cares about our relationships. In fact, you know, we're, we're just going to touch on some of the essentials today, but I want to encourage you, if you, you have any conflicts you're facing right now in, in your life or just to prepare you for the future, uh, attend our next Resolving Conflict class on June 1st, 10 o'clock. I'll be leading that class. I hope you could join me for an hour or so, and we'll give you some more tools because it matters so much. One of the things I love about our church is that we have this class to help you know how to build these kind of bridges, these relational bridges. So today I want to highlight some basic steps to follow, and I uh, just want to give you a disclaimer up front. I haven't perfected or mastered all these. Just ask my wife. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I'm still trying. I'm still working on improving because it matters. Relationships matter. And so what do you do when you wind up in a situation where you can't turn back the time, you're in a, this divisive situation, the bridge is damaged or destroyed, and what do you do? Whether it's the heat of the moment, something that just happened in your life this morning or this week, or it could be something that happened years ago. <clears throat> it could be something that happened when you were a child. Maybe someone did something to you, molested you, hurt you, abused you in a way that still haunts you to this day. Maybe there's a relationship as a young adult you need to deal with, something you need to go back and try to make right. And I think God's going to put on many of our hearts someone today that we need to reach out to because God wants us to build relational bridges. So the first thing you do when you're in a situation like this is you slow down. Slow down. And I hope this week when you're driving around, sometimes when I drive through Fremont, I feel like I get every red light between here and my house, like all 18 of them or whatever. Use instead of being, you know, chomping at the bit this week, I, want, I hope it'll remind you to slow down. Think about somebody in your life a situation that you need to address. It'll give you a chance to cool down. When you slow down, you cool down and you don't race into the situation and react. The Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not sin. So often something happens, we get hurt, and we make it worse with our reaction. Reminds me of this lady. She was, she was a well-respected lady, very well-dressed one day. She goes storming into the pharmacy, goes right back to the back counter, goes up to the pharmacist, and she said, I need some cyanide, enough to kill my husband. Pharmacist's like, what? There's no way, we can't do that. That's illegal. We'll both go to jail. She calmly reached into her purse. She pulled out a picture of her husband and his wife having a nice dinner at a very expensive restaurant. The pharmacist said, oh, you didn't tell me you had a prescription. <laughs> Think about it. You know, so in anger, we react. We the damage. We destroy and we need to slow down before we say things that just escalate the situation and make the fire bigger. God wants us to slow down, to calm down. See, here's God's heart. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. Don't try to get even. Don't do the tit for tat. Now, I want you to circle that word if. 
if it is possible. Because the truth is, sometimes you're going to reach out, you're going to do everything you can do, and the other person's not going to respond. They're not going to help, you know, you can't force someone to relate with you. And so sometimes it's not possible, but as much as possible, as far as it depends on you, you underline that phrase, you know, can, can you say, I've done everything I can do. I've reached out, I've apologized, I've offered forgiveness, I've tried to talk, and they refuse. I've done everything I could do. You know, I went, went through a divorce, I don't know, 25 years or more ago, and I didn't want to go through that. And I did, one of the things as I was going through it, I was so miserable, but I made a commitment to God that every day when I put my head down on the pillow at night, I was going to pray and think back over my day and ask myself, had, had, had I done everything possible as far as it depended on me? I wanted to know that I had done everything I could to try to fix and save the relationship. And you have to slow down and look at yourself. So second thing, after you slow down, then, then I think it's good advice to stop. Stop and pray. So you're at the red light this week. You can pray for the person. If someone's coming to mind for you right now, you can pray for them all week, right? Pray for yourself. And so David said this, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And Jesus said, what comes out of your mouth is what's in your heart. That's why it's so serious. And so pray and ask God to help protect you, to guard your heart, guard your words, that you wouldn't be making things worse. Someone said the two best times to keep your mouth shut are when you're swimming and when you're angry. Now in the South, we add one more. Because we say you keep your mouth shut when you're running around out on the lawn in the evening because you never know when you're going to run through a swarm of gnats. Anybody here ever swallowed a gnat? Man, I, I was a, growing up in the South, you'd go run around playing. You never knew when one of those things was going to go in your mouth. It just tastes terrible. It takes a couple minutes and uh, some mouthwash to get that out. So you, you keep your mouth shut when you're angry. It's so important. And so you ask God, guard my, help me to have that self-control. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Ask God to also help you not to go to a dark place. Don't make that person out to be um, more evil than they really are. Don't make them out to be a monster. Sometimes when somebody hurts your feelings, they don't even know they hurt your feelings or they hurt you. Or maybe you did something that triggered something in them and they didn't respond in the right way. And, and you know, you were part of the problem. But in your mind, you start, you start assuming all their motives were so bad. And we like to say, assume the best until you get the facts. Don't make it bigger in your mind than it really is. And then another thing to pray about is ask God to protect you against pride. Because pride is relational poison. Pride. And we're not talking about the kind of pride. It's, it's okay to be proud. Like if you go to work hard and you work your way through school. Or you develop a skill. Or you build something. Or you write a song. or You, you can be proud of things that you accomplish and you do. But the Bible talks a lot about the kind of pride that is a distorted, exaggerated view of yourself compared to God and others. So in other words, in your mind, you're more important than others. You're, you're, you might even not consciously think this, but you make yourself equal with God, if not above God. You're, you're calling the shots. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. And you know what God should do for you and what, how others should treat you. And it's this distorted, exaggerated view of yourself, thinking you're better and that you know better. And so when you have pride, you, you're more easily offended and you're, you get more angry when someone violates your, your, this exaggerated sense of self. And Proverbs warns us that pride leads to conflict. Pride leads to conflict. And maybe what's even worse 
is pride escalates conflict. Because once you get hurt, how dare you? How could you say that to me? How could you do that to me? Well, you this, you that, and it just escalates and it destroys the bridge. I think the song that we just heard is, is so powerfully written. I think it's very insightful. So a lot of good, good lines in there, but you know, ultimately this person who got in this conflict said, my world was shattered, I was torn apart. Like someone took a knife and drove it deep in my, my heart. You know, when this relationship was broken and damaged. It, she said, you walked out that door, I swore that I didn't care. And that's the kind of thing you say out of hurt and out of pride. Because she really did care, right? She said, my world fell apart. It drove like a knife in my heart. Oh, I don't care, just leave. Well, that's pride. And then she said, but I lost everything then and there. Too strong to tell you I was sorry. Too proud to tell you I was wrong. And pride, again, is that exaggerated thinking of oneself that you're too good to admit that you were wrong. It has to all be their fault. And you don't want to admit you're wrong. And, you know, that's how Satan became Satan. Satan was created as an angel. Satan was good. Was good. And one day, the Bible tells us he, he wanted to take God's place. He wanted to be God or be like God. And so that God cast him out of heaven. And then what did he do? Pride's one of Satan's greatest weapons. He goes to Eve. He uses pride and deception. That's his other great weapon. And he convinces Eve, appeals to her pride. You know, if you would eat of that fruit, you can be like God. You can be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. But God doesn't want you to have that. He's holding out on you. And so out of her pride, she took that and she ate. And she brought sin into our relationships. And then what happened? Adam comes along and he, she talks him into it and then God comes and says, what did you guys do? And the first thing he does is he blames Eve, right? That's out of his pride. He didn't want to admit he was wrong. And you see what pride does to us. Christian teachers all throughout history have said pride is the worst sin. You know, pride is, pride is the sin most likely to keep you out of heaven. You know why? Because in your pride you say, I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. I'm, I'm, look around. I'm as good as all these other people. If not better, God's going to let me into heaven because of who I am. And out of your pride, you don't admit, you know what? I need to be forgiven. I need a Savior. Pride is a sin most likely to keep you out of heaven. C.S. Lewis said pride is spiritual cancer. It just eats at your soul. And the funny thing about pride, any sin really, if you, see, if you have struggle with a certain sin in your life and you see that sin in somebody else, it usually bugs you a lot. But pride bugs you more. I just noticed that prideful people really hate being around other prideful people. You ever notice that? And pride is one of the hardest things to see in your own life, but it's so easy to see in others. And when you stop and pray, you need to ask God, protect me from pride. Because pride comes into these conflicts so quickly. This old pastor named John Stott, I don't know if this guy's even still around, but man, this is gold. He said, pride is your greatest enemy. Humility is your greatest friend. And in relationships, pride is your greatest enemy. Humility is your greatest friend. Humility is the opposite of pride. And humility doesn't mean thinking less of yourself than you should. I mean, God doesn't want you to look at yourself like a doormat. He made you. He created you. You're made in his image. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. Jesus died on the cross for you. You're special. But humility is having a right view of yourself in relation to God and others. See, pride's having an exaggerated view. Do you see the difference? Pride and humility are like opposite. Humility is healthy. So humility is your greatest friend. So, so pray for God to protect you and help you to be humble. And you know, we don't live in a world that really values humility very much. But I want you to think about Jesus. I mean, the kind of humility that he had. He 
He's God. He left heaven. He left all the comforts of heaven. He came down to earth. He didn't come down as a rich person living in a big, nice house with fancy camels and donkeys or whatever he rode around on. He came to a common carpenter. His parents were poor. The Bible says his life was hard. They were refugees. They had to flee. He humbled himself, the Bible says, and he went to the cross out of obedience to God. And he, he's our example. He put others' needs. He said, I'm going to sacrifice myself so that others can be brought into a relationship with God. And we talked about that in, in Bridging the Spiritual Divide a few weeks ago. So slow down, stop, and pray, but don't delay too long. At some point, number three, you've got to go. You've got to take the initiative. Light's going to turn green. And we say if you're dealing with a recent hurt, that if you wait more than a week, you're weak. If you wait more than a week, you're weak. Now, if it's something big, I mean, if somebody abused you verbally, physically, sexually, somehow... It's probably not a good idea to rush back in to try to have a talk. And you probably want to go with somebody else. That's a little bit of a bigger situation. But sooner or later, if you want healing, you're going to have to reach out and find a way to try to talk to that person. Now, Jesus said this, if you offended somebody, he said, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So when they would go to worship, they would maybe bring an offering, offer some food or oil or wine or something, and God would use that, take it and use it to help provide for the priests. But they would also bring a sin offering. They might bring a dove if they were poor or a little lamb or something to offer as a symbol of taking the place of their sins, God's mercy and grace. And so Jesus said, you're coming to worship, you're all ready to connect with God, and you remember somebody has something against you. Just leave it all right there. He says, go. It's more important to God that you go and try to make that relationship right. That you go and you, you try to reach out to them and admit you were wrong and ask for forgiveness and try to work through things. He said, then you come back and worship. Now, of course, if you go to them and they refuse to work it out, that's, you can't, but you did your part as much as it depends on you. So you take the initiative. And you say something like, our relationship matters too much to me to just let this go. Can we fix this? Can we work this out? And then here's what Jesus said if somebody sins against you. He said, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. What's most people's reaction when somebody hurts them? What's the first thing they usually do? Who do they usually go talk to? Do they go talk to the person? No, they usually go talk. We usually go talk to somebody else, right? (laughs) Let's be honest. We have a tendency to go talk to somebody else. Well, that's just going to make it worse. Because what if it gets back to that person who hurt you that now you're talking about them? And maybe they think it's your fault or it was, you started it or whatever. Now they're even more mad, right? Jesus said, go talk to them first alone in private if, if you can, if it's a safe situation. And then he says, you know, here's your goal. If they listen to you, you've won them over. You're not going to talk to them to straighten them out and make them pay for what they did. You're trying to help them understand so you can have forgiveness. You can rebuild that bridge between you so it's for your relationship. And, and it's not to punish them. And then he said, but if they do not listen, take one or two others along to help mediate, to help listen, to to be a witness. I've just noticed as a pastor, sometimes I need to sit down with two people who are fighting, not getting along. Usually it's a couple. And I think people talk a lot nicer to each other when somebody else is in the room. I don't know, maybe you deserve that. But you're, you know, sometimes you want to sit down with somebody to just help listen and work through it, work it out. Sometimes they just need somebody else to say, you know, that's not what I hear them saying. This is what I hear. This is why I help them to hear each other. 
And then Jesus said, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So Jesus isn't saying you go to the worship service and you stand up and you tell everybody, hey, so-and-so did this and they won't listen to us, so we got to tell you about it. It's not, it doesn't mean like telling everybody. I think you go to the leaders, you get the leaders involved, and then the leaders know about it, and they decide, and this is we're talking about something serious, some serious sin or issues. You treat them as a pagan or tax collector, what does that mean? It doesn't mean you treat them mean or unloving, but it just means, hey, you're not living like a follower of Christ. We don't really have that trust in you that you're part of the inner circle or the church family. So I don't have the same expectations as you. I'm going to have different expectations. So treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Set some boundaries. You know, God has boundaries. He says he's not going to allow sin in his presence, in his heaven. We can't have a relationship with God until Jesus paid for our sin. You think about people don't like it when you set boundaries. But I know how many marriages could have been saved if just one person, one spouse had set, set a boundary and said, hey, if you don't stop drinking too much or coming home at midnight or hitting me or yelling at the kids then I'm leaving until you get some help and then follow through on that. Because again, when you don't follow through on those consequences, then you're enabling somebody. You set some boundaries and try to build those healthy relationships. And then how many young people could be helped if the parents set some healthy boundaries and then allowed them to experience the consequences? I've shared this before. There's this lady in a church years back, 25 years ago, I was, I was pastoring, helping pastor this little church. Her son, if he didn't feel like going to work, he just didn't go to work. So, you know, eventually he'd get fired, right? And he'd get, eventually get another job. But if he didn't feel like going to work, he just didn't go to work. It was okay. Mom, he still had a room in mom's house. She gave him beer and pizza money. He was doing all right. But she got a little worried because she was getting, her health wasn't good. And she came and said, hey, what do you think's going to happen to my son when I die? I'm worried about him. I said, well, do you really want to know? He's going to lose the house. He can't keep a job. He, you've never forced him to deal, you know, to, to have to. You need a plan. And so we mapped out a plan to try to help him get on track. So you have to set some, sometimes you have to set some boundaries. In Titus, Paul said, warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. Again, that doesn't mean be cruel, be mean, be rude. It just means you don't trust certain people, people who are causing div division, who are causing problems, who are causing issues. Now, I want to just kind of talk a little bit about building bridges that you're involved in, like your life, someone hurt you or you hurt someone. But I want to talk about what if there's somebody in your life, it's not really your uh, responsibility, but there's two people in your life and you know they're not getting along. Maybe two friends at church, two friends in your family, two relatives, two co-workers. Well, I want you to write this down. Build bridges between others too. Help them to build bridges. Paul wrote this, now I appeal to Euodia and Syntyche, settle your disagreement. I've always wondered what they were disagreeing over. I thought maybe they were laughing at each other's names or something. I don't know, now they're mad, right? He pleaded with them, settle this disagreement. And then he says, help these two women, for they worked hard with me. He said, help them work it out, help them to resolve this situation. Sometimes when somebody comes to you and they're complaining about somebody else, smart thing you can do is say, hey, have you talked to them about that? A lot of times I say, oh, I couldn't talk to them. They're so mean. They're so mad. They're so unreasonable. Hey, well, I, I'd be willing to go with you. See, that's what Paul is saying. Help these ladies. Help them work it out. Help, don't just, you know, encourage, oh, yeah, they're a real jerk. I don't like them either. No, say, hey, can, let's, 
What can you do? How can I help you work this out? It's like this story I read this week. I thought this was pretty cool. In 1936, they were getting ready to have the first radio broadcast from England to America. And it was going to go across this wire, these cables. Somehow they ran across the Atlantic. And, you know, we think about it's so easy to talk to anybody in the world today almost. And, you know, just less than 100 years ago, you couldn't pick up and communicate across the ocean. And so they were really excited. And the day came and, the, you know, the, the, day, the hour was getting near. And in their little uh, studio, one of the engineers tripped on one of the cables and it broke. And they didn't have any way to fix it. They were a lot like panicking, you know, what are we going to do? Everybody's all waiting. And uh, one of the interns, he, he picked up the um, cables and he just held them. And they found out that the, the broadcast would like go through his body. Kind of he was a conductor. So the king, the king was able to, King Henry, not King Henry, that's the wrong guy. King Edward VIII, he was able to speak through this guy. And you think about that. Sometimes God wants you to be like you're, he wants to speak through you his words to help somebody hear it, communicate, help two people communicate, to help be a peacemaker. And that's what Jesus did for us. He stood between us and God, and he, he took that you know, penalty for us, but he brought us back together through what he did. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to build bridges, not destroy them like so many people do today. Jesus said, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And we don't have enough people working for peace in the world today. God wants us to be bridge builders. I mean, if you just stop and think about what we've looked at from the Bible already, think about how much Jesus cares about your relationships with others. So you're, you're stopping, you're getting ready to go, and you go and you pray, and you, I think you need to get a plan. And part of it is when you go to the person, you need to own your part. Own your part. What did you do that was wrong? Most conflicts, it's not 100% one person's fault. Maybe there's some patterns or things going on. And if you can start off by saying, hey, really bothers me. I care too much about you for us to not, not address this. Can we work this out? And, you know, I contributed. I did this or I did that. As soon as you can admit that you did something wrong, I think it helps the other person lower their walls and admit maybe they did something wrong too. And ask God to help you to figure that out. Jesus said, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. I mean, Jesus just said so much about relationships. I saw this little quote. I just thought it was kind of funny. It says, when you've done something wrong, admit it and be sorry. No one in history has ever choked to death from swallowing their pride. You know, admit it. You know, you want to apologize. Be specific. Be specific about it. Don't just say, I'm sorry. What are you sorry for? What did you do? James said this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess and be, be specific. Benjamin Franklin said something really important, and uh, I violated this one a few times in my life. Never ruin an apology with an excuse. I'm sure none of you have ever done that, but I've done that. Say, I'm sorry that I what? What did you do? Will you forgive me? So apologize, be specific, and then listen carefully. Listen carefully, and you're not just listening for the words, but listen for their heart. Listen to understand where they were coming from. Try to understand where they were coming from. It doesn't mean you agree with them, but at least, at least you know, even if me and somebody are in a conflict, at least if they can understand, that makes me feel better, even if they don't agree with me. James said, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. 
Man, that's just, to me, that's common sense, but why did God have to write that in the Bible? Because we're not good at it, right? It doesn't come natural. He's just reminding us. So he says, listen carefully. And then number four, this is so key. Forgiveness is essential to healthy relationships. Forgiveness is the opposite of pride. It's an expression of humility. You're not saying you're less than. You're saying, you know what? I forgive you. I, I mess up too. And I need to extend that forgiveness to you. Paul wrote this. It's really beautiful. Think about if you put all these characteristics on, like you clothed yourself with this as God's chosen people. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. A lot of those are fruits of the Spirit, God working in you. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Will you underline, I underline that? Put a star by it. I think that's so critical. Because so often we get stuck trying to forgive somebody because they don't deserve to be forgiven. That's the truth. But how did Jesus forgive you? Did you deserve to be forgiven? No, I didn't. you didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. He says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Think about how Jesus forgave you. You didn't have to earn it. You didn't have to be good enough first. You didn't have to grovel. You didn't have to, you know, do all this stuff to make it right. He offered it. He, all you have to do is receive it. And it's so important to tell somebody that you forgive them. It's one of the ways you keep your heart from getting spiritually hard, relationally hard, is you have to extend forgiveness. For the next minute or so, I want you to, can you take your fists, just squeeze them together really tight, as hard as you can. Just sit like that for a minute. Squeeze it hard, make it uncomfortable, kind of tensed up. You know, like when you're refusing to forgive somebody, it's in your heart, in your spirit, in your soul. It's kind of like you're all clenched up. You're holding on to it. Man, I'm going to make them pay. They owe me. The truth is they can't, they can't turn back time. They can't undo what they did. They can't make it go away. And you're carrying this around. You might not be thinking about it all the time, but inside you still, you're holding on to that grudge. And you know, doctors say that's bad for your health. It, it raises your blood pressure. It, it makes you more at risk for strokes and heart attacks. And you're carrying this around. God wants you to forgive first for your own sake. You've got to let that go. Max Lucado said the key to forgiving others is to quit focusing on what they did to you. And start focusing on what God did for you. Stop focusing on what they did to you and start focusing on what God did for you. So you can stand, now you can stand and relax your hand a little bit now. Doesn't that feel better? That's what it's like though. You let it go. You're not carrying it around. Part of it's you're trusting God's in control. He's going to deal with that person. He's going to deal with their mess. He's going to deal with their sin. If they're, not, if they're not seeking forgiveness, God will allow God to work in their life. He doesn't want you to hold on to that stuff. Forgiveness is not about forgetting. It's about letting go of that debt, that saying people owe me. Forgiveness does not create a relationship, especially if the person's not sorry and they're not willing to change. Like sometimes it's not healthy to stay in a relationship with that person. Forgiveness is about letting go. Now if they're sorry and they're trying to change, then God wants you to forgive them and begin to rebuild that trust. Forgiveness doesn't excuse what they did. It doesn't mean it's no big deal. It means you're, you're saying, you know what? You messed up. I forgive you. I'm letting it go because I mess up too. I need people to forgive me. We kind of write this down. It's kind of a little side note here. If reconciliation fails and they're not sorry and they're not willing to try make things right, 
Don't blow up the bridge. All right, you try to build a bridge, you do your part, then leave it there because maybe one day they're going to come to a place where they're ready to make it right. So don't, don't make it so bad that you can never patch things up, that you can never forgive or be reconciled. Don't blow up the bridge. Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Keep praying for them. And maybe you forgive somebody and they keep hurting you. Or you think you've forgiven somebody, but you start holding on to it again. You know, you have to choose to forgive. And when you're having a hard time to forgive, you pray, God, help me to, help me to fully get how you forgave me and help me to extend that to someone else. Help me to let go. I know sometimes uh, I've been through some stuff and I think I've forgiven. And maybe they, they do something a little, maybe not as bad, but they do something that kind of triggers that feeling. I want to pick it all back up again. I have to say, oh, i got to choose to forgive again. Sometimes it's a process. Sometimes it was a wound so deep to you, you can't just get over it like that. Forgiveness is not just getting over it, but you're letting go of the debt. And it's a process. It's a process. One time Peter came to Jesus. And he said, hey, how many times am I have to send, forgive my brother if he sins against me? Seven times? Peter thought that was pretty generous. And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. In another story when he was teaching about this, he said, if you rebuke your brother if he sins against you, and if he's sorry, if he repents, then you, then you forgive him 70 times 7. You forgive him. I think there's a little bit of both. You know, it, it has different ways of establishing a relationship. If, if someone's sorry, you have to keep forgiving them, even if they keep messing up, even if they keep blowing it, even if they got to keep hurting you. Now, sometimes you have that barrier. You don't let them keep abusing you. But Jesus said, you got to be willing to forgive them. Over and over. And so Jesus said, it's, it's like this. He said, imagine there was a king. And he had these servants. And over the years, these servants built up some debts. He'd loaned them some money. Maybe they broke some vases. I don't know. They had these debts. And one day the king said, hey, it's, I think today would be a good day to settle up. And he calls all his servants in and he starts collecting the money. And, the, and Jesus said, there's one guy, he owed like millions of dollars. In today's dollars, it would be like billions Jesus liked to exaggerate to make a point. I mean, how would the servant make that big of a debt? Anyway, the servant, there's no way he could ever pay it in many lifetimes. And so the king did what any good businessman would do in Jesus' day. He said, take this man and his wife and his children and sell them as slaves and put the money in my bank account. You couldn't declare bankruptcy. So he says, sell them off. That's all I can get out of them. And the guy started begging the king, please, please give me some more time. I'll pay it all off. Don't sell me and my family. And the king's heart was moved. And so he said, okay, forget about it. I forgive you. I'll let it go. Now, what do you think the first thing you would do if somebody forgave all your debt? All your debt, all your, your mortgage, your student loans, your credit cards, your car, I don't know, everything. Well, when you feel kind of good about that, when you go out, I mean, I want to go celebrate. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go to dinner, everybody. First thing he did, Jesus says, he went out and he found another servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Nothing like the billion, millions and billions. And he grabbed this guy by the neck and he said, pay me what you owe me. And the guy said, I can't pay you, but give me some time. And please, please give me some time. And this servant who'd been forgiven everything, he said, throw him in jail until he can pay. And the other servants heard about this. They knew what had gone on. 
And they were really upset, so they went to the king and they told him what happened. And look what he, Jesus said. The king will say, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Now listen to this. This is where Jesus is talking to me and you. He said, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Man, you think God doesn't care about our relationships? Jesus is saying, if you've really experienced his forgiveness and his grace for everything that you've done, how dare you not forgive someone else? Man, I don't want you to miss that. I don't want you to live under that burden of, of guilt and that, that, that to come between you and God. And God doesn't want that to happen either. So maybe as you've been thinking today, somebody's come to mind. Maybe something from recent history, something from the past. Maybe someone's come to mind and you know God wants you to do something. Maybe you got to let go of it. You need to reach out, write a letter. I had a friend, his father did some terrible things to him and his family. He couldn't talk to his dad anymore because his dad was dead, but he wrote a letter and he had me read it. That was pretty powerful, but he was letting go of those things. Maybe you need to reach out to somebody from your past that you gave up on. Maybe there's somebody you need to go to and talk to. And I want to pray for you in just a moment about that, but what we're going to do is, as we've done throughout this series, if there's somebody in your, that comes to mind, you need to take some steps. And, you need, and believe me, God will help you when you step out. You're doing, if you're doing it, it's what God wants you to do. After the offering buckets pass, you can come and walk across the bridge. And what I want to encourage you to do is, if you do that, you don't have to come across. Maybe you're good with everybody right now. But if that's a step you feel like you need to make, just walk across. And I want you to be thinking about that person and asking God to help you. You don't have to rush over. You know, walk at a nice, slower pace. Think about it. Only if that will help you to kind of say, that's the step I need to take. And God, I need your help. I'm afraid to do it. I need some courage and I need some help. Now, before you come, we're going to collect, you know, a chance for you to give back your offering to God. And we give to God because of what he's done for us. He's done everything for us. He's forgiven us of everything. We give back to him. But if you're here as a guest, we're not, we don't ask you to give. Just everyone put your communication card in the bucket. Maybe, there, maybe there's somebody you want us to pray for in your life. You know, if you write my name down, I'll put my last name, okay? But remember, right? Maybe there's somebody you want us to pray for you about in your life. Or maybe somebody's hurt you or you can't let go. You're struggling to forgive. We'll pray for you. Write that on your card and put it in the bucket. Then you can come by the band, as the band's singing after the bucket's passed. You can come by. But I want to pray for you first. So bow your heads for just a moment. And Lord, I know, I know in, here in this room there's some of us, we're carrying some grudges and it, we're having a hard time to forgive. Some of us don't want to forgive because that person doesn't deserve to be forgiven. And God, just remind us that each of us, we don't deserve to be forgiven either. And yet you chose to forgive us. Not only did you choose to forgive us, you chose to pay the price for our sin. You paid the consequences for our sin. Jesus bled and died on the cross so that we could be forgiven. God, help us to truly wrap our minds around that. Help us to fill our hearts and our souls. And God, I pray that out of that forgiveness we've experienced, we would do what we can to try to mend relationships with others. Maybe we need to reach out and admit to somebody else that we were wrong. God, give us the courage. Give us the humility. Break down our pride. 
Help us not to say no for somebody else. Sometimes we think, oh, they would never forgive me. We need to do our part as far as it depends with, with us. But God, help us to be your people, your children who are about the business of reconciling relationships. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.